0: From. It's another level 11th century voodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Come on in. Let me go live. Let me go
1: live. Come on, see Greetings, greetings. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Greetings, greetings. Welcome, welcome. This is the area This is the number one, i telephone get To Africa The fact that it cares Home. To Africa, come back home. The dad at da
0: da da da-da. Da salutations, love, joy, and prosperity to you and yours, elevation, revelations, and divine manifestation. You are now listening and sitting live once again with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagoon Oloye Voodoo Obeya Bokor, sharing with you in all things Spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo, world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test. And one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle this is indeed my constant prayer my mantra affirmation reverberation my reiteration and it is my ever-living reality all is a blessing it's crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing my teaching my walk my work my demonstration along this divine all-blessed life path and journey it is crucial to the very foundation of where i begin and end and crystallize all my endeavors understanding that i and i alone create and co-create my divine destiny and i and i alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality and so it is ashe Greetings to everyone, friends, family, blood relations, I'm truly honored and grateful when people take the time out in the middle of their day, wherever you are in in the world listening and viewing with us right now, to be in this shared sacred space, so I'm truly honored, full of gratitude, humility, a little bit hydrated, so I'm going to drink some water in a second. But I'm always honored when you take the time to visit with me, share with me, participate here with me in this sacred space at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, New Orleans, Louisiana. I am the Pan-African Spiritualist, Practitioner, Author, and Advisor. I'm here to share with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a pet African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective. I'm also going to introduce to some, reintroduce to others, my cousin, who's also been so gracious, so consistent, so humble, so strong in his demonstration here with us at High Noon each and every day from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So I also want to greet Oloye, Ola Oladeji, to our community, to our shared space. Welcome, beloved.
2: Welcome. To everyone, uh, I want to first give honor to uh, the memory of the you know, uh, late Omar Shapana of y- uh, Yarabalan, who made his transition to the ancestors uh, approximately 24 hours ago.
0: and powerful and edifying all, all at all the same time uh, a capsule of information um, and as you unpack it you sort of laid the perfect introduction uh, to this topic to this subject matter and, and before we move forward again I want to always invite people to please participate don't be bashful don't be shy turn on those webcams Let us see your face. Let us feel your energy. Share your questions your comments and your requests. I'm also available to those who are listening internationally by way of Blog Talk Radio at my Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. That phone number is 845 during shows only. Live shows only, area code, toll free, 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. And as my cousin so eloquently um, stated, a- and perfect to the topic of crossroads, there are indeed so many inroads in and out of this subject matter that we can um, explore. Of course, we could talk about Crossroads deities and crossroads culture uh, throughout the diaspora, and, have, as, and how it has manifest itself now in modern, in modern culture, in modern societies, and, and in some cases still in its more indigenous uh, environment. The uh, transport of what we we call in in Voodoo root loa some of the deities that that not only had an origin in the motherland or the mother continent but made its way survived through the middle passage and and continue to be relevant and indeed develop roots and new branches and new extensions even now in the uh present world we not only could talk about eshu and papa legba and and deity calfo that that are sort of well known about the Uh, Crossroads, but there are other deities in the uh, diaspora, such as Sasi, S-A-C-I, Sasi from Brazil, uh, which only has one leg, but two arms, and sometimes only uh, one ear and one eye, and represents sort of the uh, multifaceted aspects that are the quote-unquote trickster that we often associate with the crossroads. I'd like to talk about why we associate the trickster deities, the trickster gods often with the crossroads and sort of um, introduce the idea, I- if I can, of it sort of being a, a place of, of, of portal energy, an mm-hmm. opening, if you will. Uh, sometimes the crossroad is, is marked on the ground or marked in, in chalk, or marked in, in dust. Um, sometimes a crossroads is, is a bit of a circle, like the uh, uh, circle dance in the Gullah Geechee, low country uh, traditions, like the circle performance that you still see manifested in Congo Square. Uh, heaven forbid we allow Congo Square to be altered or removed, but as we still see in Congo Square today, and in many of our traditions, we even see sort of that circle square dance uh, set up sometimes overtly and at other times sort of indirectly in churches and in choirs and in sort of the structure of how the, the body of the church uh, is laid out. Sometimes is focused on a, a central point or an apex point, if you will, and then the energy sort of radiates out, you know, from that from that place. So indeed, there's so many directions, so many layers to uh, crossroads. And, and as usual, I, I chose the topic intentionally uh, with the idea that we might be able to, you know, expand upon it, and of course allow the community to call in or tap in by video, or even communicate. Questions and comments by chat uh, to add even more layer to this uh, conversation. So, because so, if you will, um, and if you and if you would like to help me to sort of speak to why you believe Legba SU, would indeed be one of the what we call in voodoo root loa, or one of the main deities, forces that we not only see uh, within a diversity of West African ethnic groups, ethnic cultural uh, diversity, but its ability to survive the Middle Passage and oppression and, and white supremacy mm-hmm. and why that has maintained itself um, as such a strong figure now in the West.
3: Ashe, Ashe.
2: So when you look at that we look at issue in a couple of different varieties. One, we know that the, we know the story of uh and, and uh, um, um the supreme being that when we, before
1: we come here to this plane, that we take our prayers to a with
2: umina being the witness to destiny to come before coming here to the earth. There are some that say also that on the other side is Eshu. But when we look at Eshu, we're looking at the one who is the communicator, the gatekeeper, the one who, uh, who can bring our prayers and our messages to all realms, to the realm of uh, the ancestors, to the realm here in this right here in present time, to, the, our, or to any and all of the Orisha. He is the communicator, the divine communicator. When we look at Eshu as well, we look at the one who we must give to first before we give to other Orisha. He is the one that opens the opportunity, opens the doors, roads, paths for all of us to have our prayers, our thoughts, our uh, uh, actions to come to manifestation. When we look at Eshu, we look at Eshu born in Oshe Oktora, uh, from, as the son of Oshu, we look at the the, the correlation between Eshu and Oshu, we look at Eshu uh, and Oshu, Oshu, of course, being the divine mother, the one who brings sweetness, joy, financial prosperity, all the sweet things of life. And when we look at Eshu, we look at Eshu as being the one uh, that can get our mind when we're thinking. He can give us the the blessings of our good choices, but also show us where we are when we don't really choose in a proper or wise uh, place. There are some that call Eshu the devil. There's some that call him Satan. And we don't look at Eshu as no Satan. We look at Eshu as one that can help us to make good choices. And then when we make the good choices, the manifestation of the blessings thereof. So when we look at you as the great communicator, the one that can give us the wisdom and our thought that lives with the back of the the back of the head going down into the top of the spine. Then we're looking at the one when we're looking in that in that place, it's like the communication that goes with the the uh into the spine. You know the spine has its own level of communication that allows us, you know, to be able to move to be able to walk, to be able to 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 uh, communicate all that done, right? So therefore when we're looking at Eshu and of course the divine relationship with Eshu and Ori, Eshu and all the Orisha stories abound in the tradition. How Umrah in many of his his speaking of wisdom to Buddha which is the divination, goes to Eshu, Eshu reveals what needs to be done. And then when it's followed uh, appropriately, that all that has been prayed for will come into being, will come into manifestation. It talks about Eschew in many times changing and disguising himself in a lot of different ways. And that, you know, uh, he can be this to this person and this to this person. There's so much to go with to that goes with Eshu you know, we look at SU as that communication between the, the, I believe you call it dimensions, right, cousin? Yeah. So, the communicators the, the, between the, the various dimensions that can take the levels of our communication up through the different dynamics of that. So, uh, to kind of tie in some of the ways, the things, or the aspects that my cousin kind of brings into being, it is SU that we go to that allows
0: us to communicate in between from the perspective that I I I have learned. Yeah, and listen, we are always welcome to, you know, you sharing your own perspective as I'm sure the beloved Otun, um another one of our uh cousins beloved that I discovered by way of ancestry.com. Uh I have a a cousin in the room. Um Lakithia, Lakeithia M. And I won't say her last name, but Lakeithia M. She's a blood relative of ours. And so I want her to greet the two blood relative of ours that are now on the screen. O'Ton, beloved O'Ton, and Oloye, he spoke first. So greetings to the family. If y'all haven't gotten your DNA done, you better get with it. <laughs> okay. I should be getting a commission check back from Ancestry.com and, and 23andMe for all of the uh, the promotion that I do. Um, Leani, we're going to answer your question next. Does SU govern our nervous system? Um, she said, "Hey, family," and I'm gonna give Otan an opportunity to respond uh, first. Come on, Otan, beloved.
2: About Boye, Aboshi, Gervine,
4: and Baba Aloye, my cousin's family, everyone watching, ready
1: friends.
4: It's a blessing to be here. Uh wanna give honor to my Alu at the Bayo Latona and Ola Ri, who's had your hand in the house today, it's initially on the Ola Batona. Um, it is indeed a pleasure to be here. Uh as far as the question am I answering and hi cousin. I wanna do to- I'm <laughs> how are you doing? Um, I wanted to uh, the question that you said we was
0: answering. Well, the time, um, well, first is the subject matter, which is the crossroads, and and of course, as you can imagine, we can talk about the crossroads, and we and we might in in the course of time that we have left, um, in, in many different you know uh, ideas and fashions. I think the question I asked was um, sort of the idea that as a root loa or or root power, um, you know, we've developed this system of the seven African powers, particularly here in in the North America. That's unique to Botanical culture, Southern black culture, and now spiritual culture, you know, in America. And so why is it that we've sort of pulled those particular Seven powers out from the other deities and our knowledge and awareness of other deities that may have also made the Middle Passage and quite possibly made its way up from South America, Central America, uh, Cuba. So by the time you came into the conversation, um, we were talking more specifically about Eshu, Legba, Calfo, who indeed we often associate Um, with with the crossroads or as crossroads deities. I'm not suggesting to anyone who's, you know, fact-checking that Eshu and Legba and or or, and Salty are exactly the same deity. I'm not alleging that. I am alleging, however, that they all have commonalities, and one of their main commonalities is the crossroads. Another of their commonalities is being the trickster. And so in your opinion, why do you think, you know, and I'm not suggesting above or below all, but why in particular Eshu, Legba, e- even more so than a Yemaya, Oshun, Shango, Orinle, you know, um, um, Olakun, why do you think that deity in particular has made the middle passage with great durability? and now continues to sort of evolve and be present in modern ATR practice.
4: Okay, um, well basically, um, from what I have been taught, um, the, the differences um, outside of the obvious and the different spiritual systems um, and the, the references that they made to to do with these as you mentioned, the or, or the arista, uh, however they are recognized in but in practice. Um, a lot of that comes from folklore. And I think in the in, in the case of Eshu, because he has so many characteristics or a uh, as Babolo said in the church, some have kind of aligns him with being the devil because in the Bible, as you know, the devil can take any form. He is known to be a trickster. He has direct contact, you know, to God can speak directly to him, things like that. Uh, he also has divine knowledge and with that he can use that to his win sort of and so we find the similarities in that. Um what we must understand also in doing and particularly in spots, as far as the characteristics of Eshu, uh, how is he to be connected with and worship that also goes on lineage because each lineage teaches something it's according to how that family grew up and what their generational practices are. Um, Eshu, I would say is to be respected because he is that connection. As Baba Lolo said, he's that connection between us and some of the Orisha. Uh, he's that one that can be that little man, so to speak. Um, if you were to if you if you need to maybe have a connection with the or we show or if you need to, you know, present an offering or do certain things, a lot of the times that is the he he is the one because he is the messenger and goes back and forth from heaven. And here he's the you know, that that's his role. That's one of his roles. So he is to be respected because he plays that role. And a lot of the times, uh, the lack of respect or the lack of humility in approaching issues will cause, you know, issues because in it you will also just that lesson while he's dealing with you. So it's not so much to say he's a trickster and just doing things to turn your day around. It's a lesson in everything. There's, there's something in everything. So you have to be willing to take a moment and understand to stop and go, okay, what is it that I need to see here? What is it that I'm missing? What is it that I need to recognize? And in that moment, we can kind of get to understand what it is that he does, the role he plays, and how we are also to interact with him.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting that we equate Lakeva or even Eshoo
2: um,
0: and, and the many other forms that, you know, trickster crossroads deities show up. Um, we tend to uh, associate them with the key, uh, we tend to, or having the key, if you will. We tend to associate them with being uh, a light bearer or, or, or the light bearer, uh, which goes along with some people's attempt to sort of correlate uh, with uh, Lucifer uh, in some traditions. I also want to introduce, you know, art forms like blues, for instance. And so what is it about the crossroads and, and the devil and, and blues artists like Robert Johnson, you know, allegedly selling their devil? They're sold to the devil at the crossroads, you know, in order to gain some kind of power, some kind of uh, uh, gift. So I think we, you know, often um, maybe put a whole lot extra on the church as sort of a reason for this association between Eshu and Legba and the devil still being active in our culture um, without understanding that some of us have to take some responsibility for some, for, for sort of layering that and, and making that, that synchronicity. And, and it could be, you know, the flip side of any other synchronized deity or saint, that we, you know, took on as, as sort of a cover or a front that allowed us to continue to practice these traditions and particularly here in, in the American South, you know, mm-hmm. in, in black culture here in America. So we, we see a lot of references in blues and, and to some degrees jazz and, and therefore hoodoo and, and sort of pop culture about these devilish characteristics again, leak to sort of the trick that's associated with these crossroads deities. And I like how you said something that's very similar to what I say, uh, oloye uh, mm-hmm. about ego being really the factor. The mm-hmm. trick, or the supposed, I like to say the illusion of an issue, a block, mm-hmm. a complication, it's often about ego and getting that out of way of our own life, our own mm-hmm. God self, and our own ability really to hear and perceive the spirit realm, which my mom taught me, you know, speaks in a soft, still voice. My mom taught us this from a child, that that God speaks in a soft, still voice. He won't argue with you. She won't debate with you. He won't go back and forth with you. He won't shout real loud, you know, over the other noise that we're, you know, kind of taking in. at at every level of our dimensional being each and every day. And even with meditation, even with fasting, even with being still, even with being quiet, you know, even with taking the sabbatical, we still might not hear that soft, still voice clearly. And so we do seek elders. We do seek leaders in the spiritual religious realm. We do seek advice from the spirit realm, you know, itself. But our ancestors who live and exist in our blood, you know, they'll box your ear. That's the illusion of an issue, a block or complication. And so I often think that, you know, even in that frame of reference, Legba and SU get blamed for, just like the devil, get blamed for a great deal more, you know, than what we should probably be taking responsibility for in terms of our own actions, our own motivations, our own spiritual um, intentions, whatever the religious tradition might be. Uh, because when I see the cross, when I see the crucifix, I see the crossroads, you know, and, and I can find the crossroads reference in every culture, in, 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 in every indigenous ethnic culture, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the world. And along with them comes this, so similarity of the trickster deity. Uh, here in the Deep South we have Burr Rabbit. Some of you remember the stories about Burr Rabbit you know and the signifying monkey you know uh, another sort of uh, American born out of the red and, and black soil of America sort of Ariki-like stories that developed on this side of the ocean. Burr Rabbit and um by a monkey would be a very, very good example. So we see, you know, in this amalgamation and this synchronizing, you know, a, a mix of particularly trickster deities like Legba, like Limba, like Eshu, you know, like Ilegwa, like Kaupo, like many others that I could name in other traditions. And, and, and something else, too, I, I thought might be interesting for us to talk about is the change in the symbolism, because often when you see Legba, particularly in West Africa, it's a penis sticking out of the ground at the crossroads. And mm-hmm. I learned somewhere in the junior high school, you know, that this symbol was also found in Asia, in China, in India, and farmers mm-hmm. would paint a penis on, on the side of their barn. Uh, not for its necessarily its uh, sexual connotation, its overt sexual connotation, but for the idea of fertility and, right. and, and crop growth and, and reproduction. So so when we think about things getting sort of watered down or amalgamated and then tailored to, to sort of meet the Christian taste, so they're not like immediately offended, you know, when, when they mm-hmm. see something. We now begin to see legba and Ilegwa taking on other, mm-hmm. I'll say more safe forms mm-hmm. and, and symbolisms that don't necessarily shock people, you know, right away or as, you know, immediately. Uh, even in the uh, implements used in Santeria, and Lucomi for instance, a great deal of the power behind ELEGWA is hidden it's concealed, you know, it's not readily visible and you sort of have Mm -hmm. the outside body of a thing that that implants a psychic message, but then those who know and understand Mm -hmm. what's going on inwardly don't see, you know, just a random penis, don't see just a random stone, don't see just, you know, a random shell, but they see the housing you know, for spirit. So, I think, you know, Legba, Eshu, these crossroad deities survived, um, one, out of necessity, and two, out of just their sheer durability as a power, as a force, particularly when we think about the things that that hold them in common, that tie them together. Um, There are other deities that... You know, many don't readily associate with being crossroads deities, but mm-hmm. but indeed would apply, uh, particularly in Voodoo and Dan Dambala would be considered a crossroads deity. It has a similar job to eshu in that it's a, its ability to uh, to um, traverse the what the Haitians call pitu Matan, or the center post that separates mm-hmm. heaven and earth. That that separates the lower and the higher realms, you know, and and earth, and so we see a similar symbolism in Southeast Asia, and and India, you know, with the Kundalini, and the rising of this serpent force, you know, again at the crossroads of our body, you know, at our, our our spine, you know, so again our center post. And allowing this evolution of energy to to grow and to develop, and and when we think about dimensional spaces, um, many of you have been listening, you know, regularly, and have been following along uh, with our conversation about uh, dimensional spaces. And, and Dark Sojuwa, I am going to acknowledge you and your comment. Just give me a moment, because I think I have to take a special moment to stop and talk about Porsche. That's a whole nother energy unto itself. So, so
1: just, mm-hmm. just
0: give me a moment. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um. So, sort of the idea of durability, transportability, the notion that we, you know, consider legba, Esu uh, to sort of be the first to be acknowledged, the last to be, you know, acknowledged in ceremony, sort of synchronizes again with its. Durability here in the West, and its ability to stand up and be loud and be prominent, uh, even with all of our technology and our changing, you know, social structures, and still be a viable power that you know many of us draw from. I also think of the crossroads um, quantum metaphysically, as I often do, um, as sort of a black hole, maybe, or even a light hole maybe, um, where we transcend, as Eshoo is said to do, as Legba is said to do, earth and sky or heaven and earth, and our ability to enter into other dimensional spaces. And so we know, you know, in string theory, in M-theory, that we indeed exist in at least 10, some scientists say 11, some scientists say 26 inter and intra dimensional spaces you know at once i know most of you are aware of the first three or four dimensions first three dimensions are dimensions of space length width and height while the fourth dimension is of time and that's the one that we don't have any control over when i think of numbers and numerology and the number three i see leg bar i see the crossroads that interaction between man and spirit Mm -hmm. earth and sky that which we can control that which we can move that Mm -hmm. which we can manipulate it being in that first three dimensions Mm -hmm. once we go into four and higher octaves we're not as immediately uh in, in in able to control or influence but indeed I'm suggesting that there are spiritual tools that we can use to influence these other dimensional spaces and bring them into our reality the last dimension that I talked about in a previous broadcast I believe was the fifth dimension so I'm going to go on and speak to six and some of the higher dimensions I also want to speak about some things that I was taught when I was young through some of my initiatory processes about the prophets and how the prophets come through in certain numbers, in certain Mm -hmm. math, in certain geometry. And I was taught certain sort of rules about, you know, the number three, the triangle, and the number four, the square. And the number five, the, the pentagram, or, or the inverted pentagram, depending on how it's being utilized. Uh, the six, uh, number six, then being the uh, six-pointed star, and that this was the sign of the prophets. And we would talk particular prophets, you know, including Buddha and, and Jesus and Muhammad and several others that had come through, you know, over the course of human uh history and them resonating through this vibration this number and in a geometric form the six-pointed star i was always also taught that there was a connection between that and the formation of quartz crystal which often in its raw uncut unpolished form grows in points of six sides if there's a seven side it, it would be the point so this residence of six, the number six, and now the understanding about the sixth dimension. The sixth dimension gives more powers to a person living in that dimensional space than in, in the other or previously discussed uh, dimensional spaces in, in the podcast. He can not only move in any direction of time at his will, but can also take many forms at the same time, just like we described the quantum world. We know that the quantum world is a world of probabilities where particles can be present at different places at the same time and can take different forms. So the sixth dimension gives more flexibility in comparison to the fifth dimension. So when we think about prophets like Bahut, Buddha, Muhammad, the Christ, you know, stories about them being seen in more than one place at the same time, or being just able to transcend time and space, or transcend heaven and earth, which requires some abilities to manipulate not only those first three dimensional spaces, but, but the sixth dimensional space. The sixth dimensional space gives more flexibility than in the fifth, and in the sixth, we enter the world of parallel universes, the concept of multiverse, this dimension will allow us to see all the possible present, past, and future. But every universe present in this multiverse will have the same beginning as that of our known universe or the Big Bang, if you will. And that is the limitation of the sixth dimensions. So it is believed that if you, you know, are working yoga and and, and your mantra and, um, you know, whatever physical uh, art you might be practicing along with that, diet, meditation, that we are able to transcend, you know, if not in our dream state, most certainly in our transcendental meditative state. And on a progressive level, it eventually in a more conscious state and ability to sort of go in and out of these various dimensional spaces. And and my regular listeners and my God children know that I swear by quartz crystal. I believe there's an eight gift ability embedded in that design, call it the design of God, call it the design of nature, whomever you give credit to the, to the creation and design of quartz crystal is indeed a superior thing when you begin to look at it from its mathematical um, perspective, its chemical perspective, uh, its uh, industrial and technological perspective, how it indeed is being utilized today in technology in comparison to how our indigenous ancestors described their use of the dream stone, their use of, of quartz crystal the possible idea of them levitating and using vibration and light to move stones to create structures like the pyramids and other great megaliths. From a mathematical level, from a physics level, we have to then begin to look at string theory, M-theory, and the idea that we can manipulate time and space and reality in, in, in a multitude of ways if we would just begin to exercise as we do our, our, our bodies, as we do our intelligence, exercise that spiritual part of us that I believe the crossroads represents. The seventh dimension also includes the concept of parallel universes. Seventh dimension contains infinite numbers of universes. So a person living in the seventh dimension can move in any universe, it can have infinite forms of itself. The basic difference between the sixth and the seventh dimension is that the infinite universes in the sixth dimension had the condition that they all must have the same beginning as ours. Again, i.e., the Big Bang. But the seventh dimension is free from this condition also. The seventh dimension can contain a plane of all possible universes with different Conditions, universes present in this dimension may have originated from different possibilities. I was just thinking of Star Trek and the original Star Trek, uh, where, you know, in my opinion, they they made a concerted effort to go in and out of not just different places in 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 the quote-unquote sky but different times, locations within the universe. The, the first imaginative introduction, probably for many of us of quantum metaphysics, was Star Trek, you know, and their use of time, time, space, that, that playing around with the idea of multiverses, um, you know, humanoids taking on various forms, life taking on various forms contingent on these universe the dimensional space that they were able to sort of move in and out of and then the newer forms of star trek introduced technologies some of which mirror some of the I- items that we carry around today like your cell phone some would say that that came out of the imagination of, of star trek universe uh hand devices you know some of the newer uh palm and and fingerprint technologies and eye technologies that we, you know, that we now use today. Mm -hmm. And of course, I I have to say, in the the possibility, particularly in the dynamics of how we view these universes, of extraterrestrial intervention. Not necessarily aliens in the way we've been sort of made to see them in entertainment, but extraterrestrial nonetheless.
2: I agree. I think that what you're saying fits absolutely perfectly into the interdimensional perspectives of understanding Eschew. Because if he's going from one realm to another realm, then it's that interdimensional uh, travel that we're talking about. We have then the ability within us through eshu, through our practice or worship with eshu to be able to speak with our ancestors, to be able to work with our ancestors, that our ancestors then will communicate with us and tell what they like, don't like. We we also, for for those of us that have that close connection, we hear our ancestors or we we see our ancestors. They show up. And so that's an interdimensional, you know, uh, communication right there. With with, our, with with even our uh, orisha, with our orisha, you know? We, we have a way of communicating with orisha, but of course, when we're giving our offering to Eshu, we ask Eshu to please take our communications to whatever orisha it is that we're talking about, and to take our prayers to El-Mari. right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, it is my perspective that the interdimensional communication is through the divine relationship with Esher.
0: absolutely yeah and and the goddess initiative that wasn't um a distraction. Uh, I know a little bit you know about that environment, and I know that uh, Larry Hoover and King David gained a great deal of that information from um, orders, spiritual orders that existed in our community at that time, who were teaching knowledge and who quite frankly, uh, you know, originally set out to give this knowledge, you know, to the brother and the sister at street level, you know, as a deterrent to street life. So some of us know the story, uh, you know, I'm from Chicago, born in Chicago, um, I, I know the story, and we're not going to digress too much on the story, but, yeah, that originally came out of, you know, groups that, you know, at the same time that they were gaining knowledge, like many of our young people today, they were growing greatly dischanted with the system <laughs> and the in disparities in the system in, in race and class and, and who got money to pay for education, medication, you know, child care you know, et cetera, and and that's how many of these groups, you know, began to develop, you know, originally. Uh, And and I'm probably just old enough to sort of see a a growth pattern there. Uh, And then I can remember a point where it was just an all for one, you know, one for all, a free for all, you know, just a toss-up, which is kind of what we have going on now. There's no real allegiance to any real foundation other than get money, you know, drugs, and and, and maybe sex, you know. It's certainly not anything what we had in mind, you know, back in the 50s or 60s, you know, in the 70s, when when many of those groups were uh, active and in development. Uh, Leonie is also asking, what are the principles of the six-pointed star? Um, I'd like to respond to that, and I'm sure um, maybe my panelists would also like to respond to that. Uh, I'd first like to say, just like the old dudes, there are many principles. Um, with, with each number, and then with each new combination of numbers, you know, th- there comes a whole other listing, if you will, of uh, principles. Sometimes those principles sound like Ideas sometimes they sound like taboos. Sometimes they sound like you know just wisdom, but but put in a way that we can sort of grapple with and, and understand. I like to teach that before you get to the six-point star, um, you got to begin with one. You know, in Arabic, that they might say the Ali. Uh, you know, depending on what system they might speak of the primordial point in which all creation sort of exploded from. Science might even suggest that all creation exploded from a single point. you know, something maybe smaller than an atom, but still quite not describable, that then spewed out all of matter and creation. So, so that's what I mean when I say there are many principles. And, and that's why we initiated for many of these traditions. Um, because it's a great deal of information to memorize. And so you memorize through music, through chant, through words, through symbolism, through numbers, through references to historic events, you know, to, to other manifestations. Um, so there might be many, but I'm, I'm just gonna speak to a few. Um, so two is a defensive number as opposed to three being an offensive number and I'm teaching real science here right now, um, two, polarity, balance, sometimes opposite. <laughs> you know, the, the crossroads exist at first at the center of, of two, that, that polarity. Three, you now have you've gone from a straight line or two-dimensional reality to now three with height, length, again, I suggest S U leg, but stands up in in that triangle, okay? The only three things that we really can control, so so that's why I say it's an offensive number as opposed Mm -hmm. to two being a a defensive number, and I could go much deeper, but I don't want to digress. Um, Four is that square, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. about the elements, you know, earth, water fire air mine Mm -hmm. or ether or the spirit realm would have to exist within that and also surrounding that but that's another topic i also see the ancestors coming forward in number four and in the square um and then i can relate that into principles as well beloved five is the number of man earth water fire air, mind, and ether, I like to count it, earth, water, fire, air, mind, or ether, and and God Mm -hmm. or the the spiritual space, Mm -hmm. us being that thing in creation that can make choice, make Mm decisions, you know, which again leads to the inversion of the five-pointed star, you know, what some people say is to go ahead, some people say that makes it inherently wicked, some people suggest it's man now acting in ego and mm-hmm. not divine order or divine connection with God. And so when I get to the six-pointed star, you've got three forces, three both facing up from from earth to God, three facing down from God to earth, you know, and, and that's how you then create that six-pointed star. So that's mm-hmm. why I was taught that the prophets, those who've gone beyond just being human, just being a man or a woman, just living for self, just the first five chakras, but but associate that sixth chakra, seventh chakra development, you know, as those of us, among us, that percentage, some people suggest that it's a particular percentage, some people say five, some people have chosen some other numbers, percentage of those who actually obtain that level of vibratory connectedness with the divine Um, Mm -hmm. i I was taught a a bit of a limerick as is above so shall it be below
1: Mm -hmm. i heard
0: this in the bible you know so there what are those three things that are coming from earth to the sky and what are those three things that are coming from the sky to earth and so then that Mm -hmm. opens up you know, another layer of principles that any secret society, any system, any secretive system uh, might mask behind that six-pointed star. Um, So that's just a start. That's not in any way all-inclusive. I've got a whole lot of other information in my head behind each number, each geometric uh, representation, and then how that might be manifest in our, in our reality, but also um, utilized in our reality to our best interest. The eighth dimension, according to string theory, there would be no physical existence of any object that's present in the eighth dimension. So anyone, anything living in this dimension would not be able to touch anything nor could it be touched by anything or anyone has nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah, so anyone living in this dimension will not be able to touch anything, nor can it be touched by anything or anyone as nothing will have any physical existence in the eighth dimension. If you find it difficult to imagine, then you can understand it like the digital world that we are all familiar with. The eighth dimension will contain a plane of all the possible present, past, and future for all the infinite number of parallel universes that are stretching up to infinity. In the ninth dimension, the ninth dimension is again very interesting and unbelievable in that in the ninth dimension it is possible for many civilizations or aliens or extraterrestrials to live at the same place and at the same time without seeing or feeling the presence of the other, meaning being completely unaware of the presence of the other reality. If someone is able to see, then he might be seeing all the civilizations and aliens living together at the same time at the same place smoothly but independently of each other. A person living in the ninth dimension will be able to move in any infinite number of universes, will have no physical form, will be able to move in all presents, past, and futures of any infinite number of universes that are extending to infinity. One different thing that will happen in the universes of the ninth dimension will be that these universes may have their own laws of physics and separate conditions and probabilities of their origin. Now, again, for those who are just tuning in, the string theory suggests we live in at least 10, and notice that I say inter, I-N-T-E-R, and then I say intra, I-N-T-R-A, because they have very different meanings. To move intra-dimensionally, to, to move within oneself, but at deeper dimensional spaces of oneself could be a way mm-hmm. of understanding intra Interdimensional is sort of us moving out of this time and space into another time and space and mm-hmm. back. And in the previous show, we suggested we get hints of that. We get flashes of that. You might call it a vision. You might call it a dream. You may say God showed me something and, and, and the sky opened up. And particularly when I think about generations before us who, you know, language continues to evolve and expand and and change, who didn't necessarily have language, use language that we use today, like shadow work. No one said shadow work 30 years ago, completely, you know, new thing. But it might suggest a concept that we all understand that might transcend time and space. So imagine Our ancestors trying to describe some vision, some wheel spinning in the middle of the wheel, you know, some God or some man on the chariot or the white horse coming out of the sky. You know, there are many references in in even the Bible and the Quran that we could pull from that would suggest either extraterrestrial technology, some form of, of, of technology, industry, machinery that we are presently not aware of or what many of our ancestors suggest that they were able to move in and out of time in space and they may have referenced it as the dream space you know they may have referenced it as, as as transcending physical by way of meditation fasting other techniques um forms of martial arts tai chi you know are are, are designed at its core to transcend the physical and capture a part of our power, call it chi, call it ashe, call it magic, you know, that might indeed be the very thing that holds all life, all creation together. So I think that that concept of the crossroads is universal
1: to to the
0: world, to... Um, <clears throat> okay, Otan, Otan's got... Shango and Oya going on at her house. <clears throat> and they've knocked out the power and, and they've knocked out the Wi-Fi.
1: <clears throat>
0: so she's just now returning. We got you, beloved. You know, we got this thing we used to do here in New Orleans and particularly before Hurricane Katrina. Um, you know, when when there was thunder and lightning and the storm would come through and the power would go out, them brothers would pull out them drums and they would shout to the sky, they would chant to the sky, you know, to, to, to Shango and, and, and Bade and Soko and other, you know, Loa and, and Orisha of lightning and thunder in the sky and Oya, you know, um, and, and beg the sky not to fall and, and and beg the spirits not to flood the world again. You know, that's not quite as common now as it was before Katrina, but that's just a New Orleans thing. I just thought mm-hmm. I might share that. I like that shemafia six proteins, six electrons, six neutrons. I know I got some mathematicians, some scientists, you know, some biologists in my audience, some master researchers in my audience, people that just know how to research the hell out of something. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know I'm not talking about the top of my head. And you know, this is something I started learning as a teenage runaway on the street, sitting at the feet of master teachers of various sects that some don't even exist anymore. You know, um, the, the the Ansuru was just strong, you know, in the 70s. And at that time, for those who remember, this is before Dr. York became Dr. York, they used to have these comic books that they would flood the black community with. And these comic mm-hmm. books would have stories you know black bible stories in it and we talk about black history and about Arab culture and about Egyptian culture but from a black nappy perspective it also was coming out right about the same time that hand dip incense and body oil I'm serious y'all this real history was introduced you know to our community if you think about the 50s there wasn't no hand dip incense no body oils Nobody knew what that was. Nobody was selling that here. Um, and I can't tell you exactly why other than the black Muslims brought that in. Now, what may have been behind that, I'm not exactly sure. But that import of that culture, that the interest in black culture, Arab culture, Asiatic culture, helped to fuel that presence. So I was an adamant, weakly addict to body oil and incense. You know, you go to work, you get your paycheck. Friday, you cash your check, you stop by and get your body oil and your incense. I mean, that's what you did, you know, back then. And they had these comic books. Again, this is before Dr. York really became Dr. York. He's had many incarnations. Some of y'all know the story. And they would teach and share, you know, metaphysics, math, science, you know, through these comic books. Some of you may not be aware that that's part of the FOI training. You know, they uh, talk about the the distance to the moon and, you know, math, real math and real science. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it it leads to not just, you know, knowing and harboring a great deal of information, Mm -hmm. but the idea is as you, you know, gain more, it's almost like your mind should be, expanding, you know, like a rubber bag. And so the more knowledge and the more information you gain, the greater your chakras and your head is able to open up to even higher concepts of of wisdom and information. And so I do believe in spirit and spiritual phenomenon specific to the creation of downloading information or giving us glimpses into other dimensional time spaces, whether whether they be in the past or the present or the future, depending on how we are in tune with that vibration, with that connection, it can show up as possession. In, in, in Haitian and in, in Louisiana voodoo, it can show up in possession in, in lukumi ceremonies and orisha, you know, bata ceremonies where, where people will become, you know, the orisha will become the ancestors, you know, within the dynamics of a a scenario, I believe it's not weird. I I, I believe it's not, you know, we call it supernatural because it's outside of our awareness of what's natural. You know, for those of us who may have have had multiple experiences of the quote-unquote supernatural, it might not seem so supernatural to us. And the more I explore and learn math, because math wasn't my best subject now. So, you know, it is all because of voodoo and understanding the spirit world that I have any kind of interest in math today, physics today, science today. I mean, if they had taught it from this perspective as a kid, maybe I would have paid more attention. And my mom says, you know, I, they were moving too slow for me. I found the museum much more interesting. Than the average, you know, classroom as a kid growing up, and that's why I say if your kids are struggling or need a little extra push, you know, it's not just you know beat the books harder, it's not just beat your kids harder, um, it's not just you know they need more tutoring, though tutoring could be very effective, but take them out into the real world where they can see math and science and medicine being applied. So, no matter where you live, work those museums work those museums, work those museums. I can't tell you what going to museums really do to to children, young people, and even adults in expanding our awareness of any topic, any subject matter, not just spirituality and religion. But for those of us who don't have a passport or who aren't prepared to travel or who might, you know, can't travel, you know, we can travel in our heads. We can travel in our consciousness, you know, at the library. We can travel, you know, at the museums, You know, and, and our museums have gotten really creative over the years, recent years, and really creating virtual reality. You know, sometimes it's, you know, uh, computer-generated. Sometimes it's on film. Sometimes it's audio-induced, you know, but ways of really manipulating our imagination. The one thing we seem to be losing you know, in humanity is our imagination, is our creativity. We, we want to look alike, dress alike, act alike, think alike. You know, that that presents a bit of a challenge to us. That's a crossroads when you when you when you're in that workspace or that business space, you know, or that real life, you know, space, and, and you're forced to have to you know meet life on life's terms and expand your awareness of something. And it's not in our best interest to be too routine, to be too comfortable. We have to switch it up a little bit. And, and if we don't switch it up life, we will tend to switch it up a little bit. It's nothing more devastating for me than the client who's – oh, wow, I'm doing a lot of talking – than the client who, um, you know, has gotten comfortable in a particular ser- scenario for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and, and all of a sudden, things change. You get up to go to the bathroom and come back, and all the pieces on the chessboard have been moved around. You know, and you like, you know, what do I do now? It's, it's a form of a crossroads. And I like to use black obsidian a lot, by the way, in addressing crossroads, and particularly what might feel like an illusion of a block, an issue of complication. Black obsidian, volcanic glass, black obsidian, particularly when it's polished and polished like a spear. This is the one opportunity for my clients and my godchildren where you you buy a polished stone, and that's black obsidian. Uh, Spear points, spear points, sharp instruments in the indigenous world were made out of black obsidian. So if it's broken, if it's fractured, it can be very sharp. Sharper in glass, sharper than some of the best knives, and, and it can cut you. So this is an occasion where you absolutely want your product to be polished. Uh, and and, and spears, balls, black obsidian balls are easy to come by and very economical, as a matter of fact. But they often present colors and bullseyes within them, which I often use to mimic, to emulate, the black hole and the black hole theory. Now, it will pull up shadow work to the surface. Unlike quartz, it can't clean clean it. It can't cleanse it. In fact, it's the exact opposite. You have to cleanse your black obsidian regularly that you're using, and particularly when you're using it out in the open to do work. Often, I keep my black obsidian covered when I'm not using it to do work because its energy is just that strong, and like a black hole, it will suck all energy, including light, into it. And so its uh, its purpose is to bring shadows, the darkness, the issue, the block, the complication, or the illusion thereof. Because when it's undamaged, it's, it shines like a mirror, so that we then can redirect that energy somewhere else. Now, from um, I'm gonna do this for my cousin Olo So from a uh, martial arts perspective or a Tai Chi perspective, or even from a Reiki perspective, that energy has been brought up, so now you want to send that energy away. You want to draw that out and send it away. When working with other stones, and I strongly suggest when working with Black obsidian, that you balance it with really clear stones, like selenite, you know, or quartz crystal as a pro- part of that, not only drawing out and sending away what's not usable, but then infusing light into that cavity. Because you can remove something out and then leave an opening and then leave a cavity. That's why some people give up one addiction to move to another. Some people give up drugs and alcohol, but then they, you know, at the AA meeting smoking two packs of cool 100, you know, and five pots of coffee a day, you know, because that void has to then be supplemented, has mm-hmm. to be filled. Uh, black obsidian balls, fears, with the bullseye in particular, also good for seeing beyond the veils. Sometimes it's the past, sometimes it's the present, to get clarity about what needs to be healed, removed. So For me, it's a spherical crossroads between light and darkness. It it, it carries the highest vibration of light in black stone, black obsidian, and then being able to sort of divert that energy. And that energy has to be diverted. Um, I often say, you know, all energy was created at the Big Bang, at the beginning of the universe. So all energy that's going to be created is already here. So we have to remove it, but then send it away. And it could be recycled, if you will, in nature, and come out the other end of a black hole as white light to the better use of something somewhere else, you know, in nature. So not just the drawing of the bay bay to create the black hole. I'm sorry, the crossroads. Not just the ceremony that we do in the street, you know, the crossroads, but, but there's indeed the reference of the crossroads that we see in quantum math, quantum science in, in space. And, and that's my sort of take on how that manifests in outer space. And of course, I could talk about black matter and dark matter and what that is, but I'll save that for another episode. There's so much in the chat. Um, Please guess. uh, Let me check my phone lines. Uh, Thank you so much, callers on the phone line. Indeed, if you have a question, comment, or request, remember to press the number one. That sort of raises your hand for me virtually here. And then I'll bring you into the conversation. If you're just listening, that's good, too. And and we, indeed, appreciate your... uh, listenership yes Shamafia and the goddess i think that crossroads can also be created they are not just sort of the thing that we walk into in life we trip upon you know the, the block the issue the complication the crossroads but again i think in religious spaces whether it be the circle whether it be the drawing of a square whether it be the putting a baby down or even creating you know, um, shrine space for your ancestors is introducing, reinforcing a, a theoretical crossroads now in your in your home or in your living space. A crossroads between your waking, quote-unquote, reality. I say, quote-unquote, because I believe the spirit realm is more real than physical reality. And then that spirit reality that we understand uh, ancestors and other powers to, to exist in. So even a church, a crossroads can sort of be created um, spontaneously as well as consciously in any given ceremony, and we, and we see that manifest in many, many religions. Um, I don't see church very differently than I do other uh, ritualized traditions when you're seeing it with your third eye open. Even in the quiet and the, churches.
2: And the symbology. Yeah. The symbology of the cross alone gives you an insight on just the manifestation of the crossroads of the thing church. So what is it that you are willing uh desire to manifest? You go to the crossroads which they call as the one who has the communication between and when we go to in the church would be Jesus, right? But then we look at Eshu, and we look at the lettering behind Eshu, and then the, the actual, um, what do
3: you call,
2: sounds and stuff in in the Hebrew language, Yeshua, Yeshua right? Then the, there is no J, there is no S, and Eshu then is even a stronger manifestation within that. You hear the song. I, I go to the rock of my salvation. So, what is the what is the symbology of eshu? The symbology of eshu in in traditional African in, in traditional African uh, traditionalism is a yangi stone. Yangi stone. So the yangi stone is that rock where we're going and we're feeding eshu and we're working with eshu. We're communicating with the shrine of Eshu, which is the Yami stone. I go to the rock. Salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is within you. So when you go to the rock for your salvation, you go to the rock to manifest what it is that you want to come to pass. So you're either going to make good choice or a bad choice but then Eshu is going to bring out to you the blessing of a good choice, or the challenge of a bad choice. So therefore, the symbology behind this is deeper than what they, what it is even said within, you know, in, in any of that understanding. For the most part, it takes going outside of that to get the understanding within that. Yeah. You know. So just a little bit. To, the symbology is important. You've got to look at what the symbology deeply represents and not just look at it as the Christians talk about selling idols, worshiping idols, and stuff like that. It's not ideology, right? It's it's something that encompasses that energy within you to manifest out. So, therefore, when we're going to this and we're going and we see the symbology behind some of these orisha, I won't talk about that. But in each orisha that you receive or that you uh, initiate to there's the thick symbology that represents the aspects of those orisha. When you look at Eshu, what is the aspect of Yangi? And when you find that out, then you begin to understand just how you can move closer and work even closer with Eshu to manifest
0: that you desire say and, and when i think about baptism O oh, son, um th- that's a bit of a crossroads right i mean you know we accept Baron Samdi and papagede as as sort of being low deities that like as transcend between earth and heaven the living and the dead if you will uh the marketplace and the cemetery, you know. And so even when we think about baptism and the idea that you're supposed to be dying to the flesh or dying to your own self to get up and be renewed again, to be reborn again. So, you know, we see the footprint of of ritualized ceremonies, honoring and acknowledging the crossroads Uh, even when it's not necessarily referred to as such. But we see symbolism and some of the meaning, you know, uh, represented there. I want to speak also to uh, a video I saw the other day, and someone was trying to convince you that Jay Z and several others were doing this because it represented a Masonic symbolism and that it was somehow Satanic, or or wicked, I offer you that some people are doing this because it represents the great vagina and the great mother from whom we all came into this world through. When I think about the the black stone, the Kaaba stone, and where is it in Mecca, where the Muslims go, look at that stone again. And particularly how they have it set in that silver framework in the stone. i see the the yoni symbol i see the great vulva i don't see satanism i don't see witchcraft and so <laughs> understanding the dynamics of symbolism particularly within our culture <laughs> particularly in an environment or i should say specifically in an environment where we're, we're apt to want to mix and borrow a little bit and, 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 and trade a little bit. You know, it, uh, I, I just suggest caution, caution there because we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater often. We're, we're, we're throwing out what originated really with us and has now become mass behind other traditions. And, and, and we accept that Christianity to a great degree um, amalgamated what we know as pagan or indigenous world symbolism into Christian tradition,
3: and then gave it
0: another name, then gave it another, you know, another appearance. But, um, you know, people are getting quick likes on some of these videos, you know, on the surface it sounds real deep, (laughs) you know, but, um, yeah, I offer you that. It's actually a representation of the, of the great mother. I just had to set that out while we were talking about crossroads. Crossroads, transcending time and space, coming from one dimensional space to another, crossing from way, one way of understanding something to another. Otan, um, did you want to share, Beloved?
4: I would uh, also want to add that uh, when you mentioned uh, divine the um, baptism, I also wanted to add that baptism in itself, although some that follow Christianity may not want to acknowledge that that in itself is actually a ritual mm-hmm. and an initiation, if you will, of course, because when you look at initiation, you have that in baptism. at the baptism. You have the minister there, or the pastor there. You have associate ministers there. You have other witnesses and people there that are assisting, whether it's standing there with the towel, crafting the gifts, or praying, or different things that are done to assist in that process. And that's sort of what goes on in some initiations that you see that have been shown. You see, you know, groups of people. It's not just. A one person thing, it's a a family affair, if you will. Um, So, even that uh, baptism, because of uh, the different um, systems or the different aspects of Christianity, whether it be uh, Baptist or Methodist or things of that nature, um, prayers and such may change, but the essence of it, the foundation of it, is all based in rituals. So, we have to be mindful of rumor and gossip and what we look down upon because a lot of the things that are surprised to that are considered the newer or the modern, religion so to speak, um, are actually based and founded in pure ritual. Even the Old Testament and the Bible, they got
1: sacrificed, they got all of that
4: stuff in it. So we have to be mindful of what we feel or what we tend to judge because a lot of the things that we that a lot of people are practicing now are rooted. And African spirituality and things that were done by our ancestors years and years and years ago. So we have to do the research. And it's all right to ask uh, why is this or why is it that way? Because if you're just blindly following, you have no idea if what you're told, of what you're absorbing is actually correct or if it's just someone's opinion on how they interpreted something. And we all know perception is everything. That's true, that's
1: so it's a good
4: mind to make sure that. We're asking the questions that are important. This is your soul. This is this, this is your 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 inner work that you're doing. You absolutely have to like right to ask questions. So that that is absolutely important. But I thought that um, when you mentioned uh, baptism, that that was a good point because a lot of the things that happen inside other religions they are actually connected if you take the time to look and actually observe. And that's why I say it's not about these it.
2: got to the water because once you get to the water you already made up in your mind the direction and path that you want to go in certain areas of of, of life so now you get to a point where you're at that water and you know when we look at it in, in our traditions we also have water that is utilized we have the use of the herbs and we make what we call omiero and within the omieto, for many of the the uh the ceremonies uh the person that's going through the ceremonies has to bathe with the omiero with the, the distinct herbs that will bring out certain levels of manifestation for for that uh orisha or for that particular ritual so the water um it, it, it gives a distinct uh, energy. It's a distinct energy uh, when, when we're dealing with the water uh, as far as any as of the rituals for us too. The herbs have distinct you know, energy within that. For some, we might take those, those spiritual baths two or three days in a row according to the ritual every day then also you know there might be some that uh also place other things in maybe they want to add uh you know honey maybe they want to add cinnamon maybe they want to add other things that will bring out distinct things in that as well so baptism uh is is i believe once they get to the actual ritual they've already hit the crossroad but now they're stepping on the other side of the first road based on their choice to decision that this is the path that they choose to follow.
0: I think that's a, a good point. We have about. Uh, okay. I think that's a good point. We have about uh, 30 minutes left in the show. I guess 29, 28 minutes left in the show. I invite my listeners who might have a question, comment, request, to press the number one on your telephone keypad. I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic. You can also join us live on screen by following the StreamYard link that is scrolling at the bottom of our page, and I'll be more than happy again to invite and entertain your questions, comment or request. Uh, I think it was also interesting uh, to note in, you know, sort of the discussion of trickster God, um, the missing or amputation of limbs. Um, again, Salsay, you know, from Brazil is known to have uh, one leg. Uh, we have a, a former slave, which I believe goes on to be a Loa or Risha here in Louisiana, North Bois Boa um, who escaped and escaped again and, and they sought to punish him and they cut off his arm and he continued to escape and then became legendary and associated with uh, many trickster-like crossroad-like deities and, and powers even as an ancestor, so again, I find it to be a unique area of of survival for traditional practice and spirits to have found new fertile ground, new fertile here in in the U.S. Um, and and how mm-hmm. it continues to evolve and how it it, it continues to it, it continues to grow. I hope I've, I've demonstrated that the crossroads is not just the conflict or the illusion of the issue, the block, or the conflict. It very well can be just a shift in time space. It very well can be just a shift in in dimensional space. Uh, Sometimes when we think about when did the problem end and when did the good times begin, we often can pinpoint that at a particular Moment time space, we just know that we continue to grow. We continue to improve. We continue to heal things get better. And, and then we sort of come to a realization that we're in a very different place. But it would be very difficult for many of us to pick a specific date, a specific time, you know, when that crossing over the, crest, the, uh, the crossroads, that crossing through the interdimensional uh, portal if you will, of change actually occurs. And I think that's important when people are, you know, seeking various degrees of ritual and, and spell work and then are confronted with the, with the idea of time and then time space as, as time truly, you know, moves in, in our universe. Sometimes the change is at the point of evo. Sometimes the change is at the point when you humble yourself to that work and the change is already in motion, but we can't always see the full extent of, of, of where the development is going to happen in, in that moment. So I believe there's a, uh, again, there's a transcending time and space and sometimes dimensional space where we address crossroads and how they might present themselves, you know, as a part of our world for our reality.
2: You know, one thing is when we think even through our enslaved ancestors, one way that actually shows up is in, I want to take it like in a very basic sense, in the music. When we deal with the fact that uh, we would would be drumming or certain music and maybe even dancing, we knew that the drumming changed, the rhythm changed. When the communication was being put out there, that the slave masters were there or they were coming. So the, 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 the distinct change in rhythm, maybe just, maybe just a slight rhythm change, let communication know. So then when that communication knows, there was a crossover of energy, a crossover of understanding that allowed maybe those that, that chose to escape. They knew the timing. There was a timing involved. Those that were escaping, those those that wanted to do certain things, they knew that the slave master was there, they wasn't there. So I believe that all of that as well went into the the winning of issue, the issue the mindset, the the issue perspective. Look at all of the things that we were able to do. Issue mindset, the thought that the, that the people in the house, the house slaves, You are supposed to be so high-student that uh, that there was this big conflict between the house slaves and the field slaves. When in all actuality, a lot of times it was the house slave that was given the information to the field slave for certain things to happen in the field because they had the insight and the wisdom to listen to what was going to be happening to allow for the communication issue Essie, communication, allowing the ability to make decisions based on knowledge. So, let's, you know, we look at all of those components, but we're not, we got to look at it from a very practical standpoint. And when we look at it from a practical standpoint, we can see now the relationship of eshu with our ancestors and how eshu was used in a variety of diverse ways to allow the manifestation of Eshu to rise up within us and utilize that spirit to then make changes, to escape, to be moving here, to do certain things that will allow us to to um, be where we are today. Eshu was a great, a great uh, you know, a great, uh, his, it, his energy was great in, in all that we were doing. You know, it was great and all that he was doing I like how you made that analogy, um,
0: without saying it directly, that Eshu was in the house and in the field.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: just like we now understand him in in many various uh lineages, you know, that acknowledge eshu and Legva and lake man of the house and the field. Um and it was often that field uh, enslaved, I'm sorry, that house enslaved and ancestors that also had the access to resources.
1: That's right.
0: And, or, or would take the fall for the absence or disappearance of resources. Because sometimes they were less likely to chop off the hand, you know, of Nana, who who had to cook the, the food, you know, and care for the babies, than they were a field hand. <laughs> so sometimes Nana would take responsibility for for that jar of, of, of seeds, Mr. Messer, you know, I, lonely me. I got, I, I must have got feeble for a moment, you know, and allow, you know, the rest of the family or the stronger members of the family to take those resources and then flee. Um, I like to brag just a little bit, and, and I remind people to go back and watch Underground uh, from mm-hmm. television, filmed in New Orleans, Uh, Roots for Television was also filmed uh, in Louisiana. But I really liked Underground and it's sort of telling of the environment leading up to a Harriet Tubman and then how we subsequently, you know, were responding, you know, to that environment. And so it was not just the the field, but it was a house that was also seeking freedom, that was seeking an escape, that had to learn how to hide and, and to conceal and and to be deceitful, you know, and to smile when you really didn't want to smile, and and, and to say it was one way when it was really another way, you know, particularly if it was going to mean your life, you know, or or sometimes the lives of your loved ones. Mm -hmm. Even in all of our discussion of the pain and the trauma, uh, you know, and the theatrics, I still don't think uh, our, our psyche even allow many of us just like transcending in the dimensional spaces, to really go into that place, you know, because mm-hmm. it was just that traumatic. It was just that traumatic. And so the, the, the games that would have been played, the mind games that would have been played, you know, they want you to think, I'm treating Oloye a little bit differently than you, Prince, mm-hmm. you know, because cause he red, you know, because mm-hmm. he's shoeing the horses. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and they would play those games, but then they would play us against old time. you know Well, you know, the man is getting fed more right,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and she starts thinking about it and then wait a minute I'm the one cooking the food, you know, and so there were all kind of games that were being played manipula- ch- Manipulations that were being played
3: on mm-hmm. our body
0: on our on our soul on our mind on our level of hydration You know on mm-hmm. our level of protection you know, from the weather, you know, all sorts of things that only, you know, those of us who really, you know, have seen the bottom, you know, of life can even imagine, you know, what, what their reality uh, would have been like.
2: Sometimes and it's like that today too, in the world right? We have those that have made it, and because maybe some have to play a particular game, and in this particular way then we, we discount their ability to be able to now do what they need to do to get some other brothers and sisters in but if we don't have people that are willing to master they gotta master the game they gotta master the game of communication they gotta master the game of working with these different cultures and different economic status and with different people in order to get others the opportunity to get through the door. I look at it from the early martial arts stage too. In this country, the Japanese, the whites, did not want to teach those of us to teach our people. So we had certain pioneers that took significant hits for us in order for us to now be these African-American grand masters. But if it wasn't for them, Taking that hit and mastering the level of communication with the people for them to get the information, then there would be nothing that would have been moving forward for us to have today. We got to give these the, uh, ancestors today and our elders. We got to give them significant credit. Hell, we can even look back to the to the to the look what, what not just the. Um, the place of Colin but the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Think of the mastery that some of these guys had to have to even communicate to get some of the bills passed, fighting from the civil rights to deal with those people in Congress and, or the president or just the racist, you know, uh, people, leaders of their community. We sometimes don't really recognize how much effort how much effort they gave, how much offering, sacrifice they gave in order to open up doors. What is it that we say about Eshia? Baba, we ask that you please open all of our good doors, roads, and paths, and all the good doors, roads, and paths of those that we love, and close the doors, roads, and paths of anyone or anything meant to be one to us or anyone that we love. So therefore, those that did and made that significant sacrifice to make these changes or get these changes facilitated in our community were working with SU. They opened up good doors, roads, and paths for us today. Some we, of course, maybe didn't agree with now, but back then it was all about opportunity. What was uh, integration? Integration really was not supposed to be that we destroyed our own. It was supposed to be the opportunity that, besides our own, we had the opportunity to be able to go where we wanted to go, use facilities, buy what we wanted to buy, sit down in a restaurant to eat. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we looked at it in a perspective by which we started shutting our own down because we thought things were better from someplace else. So now that integration then really reversed itself and became something I feel that was kind of negative at times because it shut down our own economic blessings and buildings and development of our own. So now I look at that and we say, that's the mastery of Eshu. The mastery of Eshu was to be able to find a way to open up the good doors, roads, and paths for others to be able to follow now to walk through that door and have the blessings that we have today in our community. And it's not everywhere that we look, It's not all that we want, but damn sure it's not more than what we have.
0: Yeah, let's be clear. Tulsa and
2: Greenwood mm-hmm.
0: survived on segregation. Mm-hmm. And I say survive in a way that we haven't understood in decades. That that inability to have certain freedom, certain luxury, certain access to, to the quote unquote white world or mainstream world forced us to inter- integrate among ourselves and, mm-hmm. and, and rotate that, that dollar five or six times within our community, you know, mm-hmm. and, and feed more than one household, more than one industry um, within our, our, our community. We gave up a great deal of our financial and and, and um financial freedom and independence, as well as our, our uh, personal independence and, and freedom by way of integration. And that too, mm-hmm. I believe, was by design. It was, was indeed by design. Um, I also wanted to speak to um, oh, the Goddess Initiative. Beloved, I hate to break it to you. Um, they didn't have just bed winches, but they had winch children. They had winch children, so the little girl or the little boy was forced to sleep under the sheet to cover up master feet to keep his feet from getting cold in in, in the winter time. So you had boy and girl children winches as well, and so everything you imply by bed winch, yeah, yeah, that that that's why I say if we really took the time to think about it, and I have. To, uh, to meditate on it, I have. I've been inside um, uh, Booker T. Washington's house uh, uh, in Washington D.C. The Booker T. Washington. Somehow, I feel like I'm about to misquote myself again. Uh, but 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 the, the, there's a huge mansion. No 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 with the Afro, uh, the Revolutionary. Help me out, Oton. Frederick Douglass. Thank you. Thank you. I have been inside Frederick Douglass' house. Been in his house. I've been inside Mount Vernon, George Washington's house. Been in there, smelled it. If any of you ever been there, it's got a unique smell. That aged wood has a very specific kind of smell. The, the, The big house smells very different from the slave quarters. Smells very different from the animal quarters, but it's a smell that 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 ancient prop, property holds even till this day. So I've sat in these environments, not not just in a museum, but in these environments, and tried to envision what that must have been like. You know, behind Mount Vernon, George Washington's you know old house, you know it kind of sits up on a hill, and they've got these huge rocking chairs that sort of overlook, you know, what is now just, you know, green and rolling fields and and trees and whatnot. You can't help but envision our people out there in that sun, out there in that heat, you know. And, And when you've had that kind of experience, it makes it hard to understand why, you know, others in our community can't grasp nation building, can't grasp community building can't grasp that, you know, our little petty, you know, surface, you know, issues, you know, pale in the face of much bigger things. And so there's a much bigger crossroad that we still have to cross, particularly if if we're expecting some kind of change at the community level, you know, within our community at the grassroots level. I think monumental changes still will be made, individually, by Mm -hmm. those who are able to see beyond the veil, those who are able to cross, you know, the crossroads, you know, with with pride and dignity and and a certain fearlessness to sort of not go over and around whatever the issue might be, but Mm -hmm. to go through it, you know, through the middle of it. You know, we're now making mortars, you know, of people who are being murdered by the police. Mm-hmm. You know that that's the proverbial going right through it. We we you know honor our our veterans and those who've gone to war and, and, and died for for country. And so, t- to what degree do we honor you know th- these sisters and brothers and children who are giving up their lives unexpectedly, unplanned, you know, involuntarily, you know, and, and then we're holding them up you know, as martyrs now for a bigger purpose, you know, that we don't fully get on board and and commit to. Um, Shortly thereafter the show today, again, another meeting, another protest, stop Congo Square, stop the expansion on the sacred space that is Congo Square, but also the historic place that is the first free black community in America historic Treme. Um, and, and that's why I keep coming back with these topics, you know, uh sacred space, the importance of sacred space. And, and we talked in a, in a previous show about, you know, sometimes we create sacred space on, on the ground, in the temple, in the shrine, but it's really in here mm-hmm. and how much we value this in here first. And then when we value this and here, it makes it much easier for us to value, you know, the experience that I had at Frederick Douglass, you know, mansion. The experience that I had walking literally through history, you know, as a child living at various points, you know, in this country that we call, you know, America. And so I've crossed the crossroads based on many times. Sometimes not knowing where I was going to sleep. Sometimes not knowing where I was going to eat. Sometimes not knowing where I was going to land, you know, at, 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 the, at the next stage, you know, of my journey. So I'm probably, you know, fine-tuned for, you know, transcending the crossroads. But, but I need you all to understand that there's a deeper thing that's going on. It is math. It is science. It is quantum metaphysical. It is super consciousness. We indeed do have the ability to traverse time and space with just Mm -hmm. our minds, and to recreate a reality that mirrors our best interest right here, right now, in this most present moment, you know, in time and space. I appreciate you all. We probably have, what, five minutes, four minutes. Oton, I feel like you've been listening today, and I'm, I'm grateful.
1: Well, I've been listening. I have no
4: problem when it's a subject that I'm not fully knowledgeable on or, or I feel in a, in a strong manner. Um, I have no problem with listening. I learned a great deal today. I absolutely want to learn more about this and and that, that's why learning never stops. So I have no problem with listening and absorbing it all. It's been a blessing, as you say, all is a blessing. I absolutely enjoyed myself. So I, I have been just absorbing everything that has been presented today. Um, I agree with every single bit of it. So I think it has been absolutely helpful. And has also given me different things and different perspectives to um, consider things and, and also to begin to make changes in my life. So if we are willing to actually take a look and, and, and take the lesson in things, it's, it's a lot to control from it. So I'm absolutely grateful for everything this conversation and all of the interaction today, um, especially with the course is very important um, to understand not just the crossroads and the physical, but the symbology of it and we use that as a reflection of our lives to different situations. Um, I do wanna speak in regards to SU. A lot of people think also in terms of far as him being the trickster, understand that sometimes it's not just about things happening or certain situations going on and it's Eshu causing a problem. Sometimes things in our lives happen because it's time for that shift, it's time for that growth. We can sometimes get comfortable in where we are and what we're doing in life, not understanding that our destiny is for something greater. And there are times when there will be things that our ancestors will allow things to happen in our life. And it is not a, there were certain situations and certain things that will happen that will force us into a position where we have to grow, where we have to push out of that comfort zone, because a lot of the times that's where our blessings are. It's not in being stagnant. It's not in being complacent. In that same spot, our blessings will be getting out that comfort, taking that step forward, having that faith and knowing that we have the grace to move forward and to get to the places that we thought was only in our dreams, only in our imaginations. When in turn, those are things that we actually deserve and are destined for if we're willing to just let go of the element of control and allow the situations and the things and the lessons that we're learning to push us forward. Into the
0: spaces or into the places that we're actually supposed to be and be not. Well, give thanks. I certainly appreciate
2: that. I think another part of the symbology also is everybody's carrying around is into the hunk now. Look at the symbology of the hunk. Besides the crossroads, you also have the divine masculine and feminine all in implemented into that. So we have to then be able to look at the polarity behind that into the masculine and the feminine energies and put that into our thoughts, into our actions, into our perspective, that there has to be a balance in our, uh, in our mind and our hearts and in our thoughts and our actions in everything. You know, many, uh, when you find that you female uh, uh, your Orisha as the one that is your divine head, you know, you know struggle with the challenge that maybe Oshun or Onokun or Oya is your divine, you know, but, or Yomoya, Mamiwata. But here you go, when you're developing a divine balance. And that is that divine balance that brings everything into a nice, wide view that allow you, To be able to see things and do things from both sides. So, when we look at issue, let's look at issue in a very balanced way, in a very practical way, and look how issue, therefore, shows up in our choices, in our decisions, and in everything that is manifesting for us. I say, and
0: I say, embrace the crossroads as a portal. I didn't get a chance to talk a whole lot about uh, Stargate. Uh, But that could have very easily come into this conversation. The movie Stargate, uh, and then, of course, the subsequent TV show that that followed after. Uh, Again, that that symbol, but now being used as sort of a portal, you know, with the right math and the right numbers and the right science that, like the old Star Trek, take us into greater worlds, greater realities that may very well exist, right now, you know, we just can't see them. We, we just aren't aware. And so so our, our blessings are often just that close. Our mishaps are often just that close, <laughs> you know, asking us to be mindful, always mindful and, and dutiful, you know, and to be looking in all four directions, you know, to the best of our ability, but more importantly, looking within. To manifest that which we seek to see, uh, without on the outside. Um, I hope to see you all here Friday um, at high noon. If, if, all, if at all possible, I certainly appreciate your time and your commitment um, to the show. And um, I will have out of out of town guests, but I'll be here. I don't plan to miss any shows um, because of it. And so I look forward to connecting with you all here again at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, understanding that all is truly and indeed
2: a blessing. I share.
0: And
1: Odabo.
0: I don't know about y'all, but I slept through the entire program. How do you talk
3: the truffle at this Um, You know... You Congo Square. The almost Indians... The almost Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow- persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment, the how is not clear, how our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, To Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life We beat, we be, we was and is, hail Congo Square, Congo, Congo Square, our African gods have not been obliterated, they have merely retreated inside the beat of us, inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world heralded by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat, heart beat. Heart, be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we, beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music, the God talk, first thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal, be what we were before we became what we are, be bambula dance, be bonza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget even when we can't remember the specifics we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential usness that others want to dissipate, whip out Hello. of us. Whoa! But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning, a sun day, a field, a field without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun. With our elegance. We are centuries later now. And still this sacred ground calls us. To remember. To beat. To be. We are centuries later now. And still this sacred ground calls us. To remember. To beat. To be.